With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. The Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got Coming Around Again with Billboard.com Senior Associate Editor Andrew Unterberger. Andrew will be talking with Billboard Associate Editor Taylor Weatherby about her oral history of the Backstreet Boys' self-titled U.S. debut album, which turns 20 this month. They'll be talking about her experience interviewing all five members of the group for the piece, sharing memories of their favorite Backstreet songs and members, and of course, debating Backstreet versus NSYNC. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. So, the Backstreet Boys actually made their Billboard chart debut back in October of 1995 when their single, We've Got It Going On, arrived on our Bubbling Under Hot 100 chart. The song quickly reached the Billboard Hot 100 and ultimately peaked at number 69. But the guys came back strong a year and a half later when Quit Playing Games With My Heart hit the chart and eventually reached number two in September of 1997. The group's first U.S. album, their self-titled effort, was released in August of 1997 and contained both We've Got It Going On and Quit Playing Games With My Heart. In total, the set spawned six top 40 charting singles on the Pop Songs Airplay chart, including As Long As You Love Me, Everybody, Backstreet's Back, and All I Have to Give. The album itself would peak at number four on the Billboard 200 chart, spend more than 100 weeks on the list, and go on to sell a whopping 10.2 million copies in the U.S., according to Nielsen Music. So, let's hear all about the Backstreet Boys' debut on Coming Around Again. Hello, and welcome to Coming Around Again, Billboard's anniversary-themed podcast celebrating anniversaries being celebrated in the music world. Uh, today, we have 
pretty big one for people of a certain age. Uh, we're talking about the 20th anniversary of Backstreet Boys' self-titled U.S. debut album, and here to talk about it with us is the only person qualified to really discuss such matters, and that's Billboard's senior boy band correspondent, <laughs> Taylor Weatherby. What's up, Taylor? Hello. I was just talking about Lollapalooza two days ago, and here I am talking about 1997. You're a woman of, of many talents, <laughs> uh, and... Taylor today uh, published. Uh, I would say it's probably your, like your, your your masterpiece, your magnum opus. Certainly, yeah. uh, the, the piece that your, your your time here at Billboard, you know, it's been, it's been leading up to all of these years. My life has been leading yeah. up to that. Actually, there you yeah. go. And that is a, an oral history of the Backstreet Boys' first album, uh, including interviews with all five members. Yeah. So, how are you feeling about that now, Taylor? You know, it's funny. Like one of the first things when I finished reading it that I thought of was sitting in our conference room talking about all the anniversaries coming up and me freaking out about the 20th anniversary of this album being like i'm all over it you, you are prone to the occasional boy yeah. band related freak out I <laughs> yes <would say>. yes <laughs> uh and so i just remember that moment and like being like okay i have taken this on this is one of the biggest boy bands in the world if not the biggest boy band in the world certainly one of the definitive and i was like it was like a scary moment thinking about that and now to think that it's done and all five chimed in and everything was like just more than I could have ever imagined for this. It's just like, I'm feeling kind of numb in like the best way. (laughs) Well, uh, I should go without saying, but obviously it's an, it's an incredible read, some really interesting stories from all five members, stuff, you know, some stuff you don't know. Uh, you get a really good sense of the personality of each of the guys and it's, it's just a nice little time capsule. So, uh, before we get too deep into that, just like, uh, What's your own history with the Backstreet Boys? I mean, uh, it, it certainly seems like this was this was a pretty formative sort of band for you. Is this like the the Big Bang in your in your kind of pop development? I cannot remember. I think it was probably the Spice Girls that kicked okay. everything off because they were my first concert, and I was six years old then. And I feel like, I mean, ninety seven. Doing the math, I would have been six, seven ish when the Backstreet Boys were really starting to break. So. I feel like it was probably the Spice Girls, but then, like, the boy band. I mean, people who know me in the office and outside of the office, even people that probably meet me and, like, five minutes later have had a conversation (laughs) with me about a boy band know that I'm, like, the boy band person. And so, I mean, I love the Spice Girls, but, like, once Backstreet Boys and NSYNC came into my life, it was like the whole world had just exploded. It was like, yeah, so, I, I mean... I feel like Backstreet Boys came first. I mean, think just chronologically, but like I, I always kind of remember them like simultaneously. But it's when you really look back on the history, like they're the ones that started it all. Yeah, they so. def- they definitely kicked the doors down on that one. I mean, Hanson came before them, but they weren't they were they were actually too literally a boy band. Yeah. They're actually a band of boys, whereas. Right. Uh, Usually when people think of a boy band, they think more of a Backstreet Boys, you know, five guys right. with a microphone Well, dancing. and Hanson wasn't yeah. busting moves or anything. No, they weren't. Or... Uh, at least, at least <laughs> not uh, not choreographed ones. No, no. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, like, at the time, I, I was, you know, 11, and, like, it was like they didn't exist, and then all of a sudden they were the biggest thing in the world, and it felt like they always had been. Like, it, it, okay. it's, it's hard to it's hard to even really, like, explain just how sudden and how extreme a phenomenon the Backstreet Boys were. Just like, yeah, like they were, they were this Europe thing that you kind of heard about. I remember uh, my girlfriend's told a story where like she, she had never even heard of them until but she, she had gone over on like, like on a class trip, she had gone over to Europe and she's like, who are these Backstreet Boys that everyone's obsessed with over here? Oh my here? gosh, that's amazing. Uh, and then she gave, she came back in like a month later, like, like her, all of her classmates were like, Oh, Backstreet Boys, you heard of this? Uh, and like, actually it's kind of a, like, like it's kind of a weird story because, 
even though we're talking about their debut album, it's not really their debut album, right? right. Like, can you, can you explain like what what exactly happened there? Like, like there, there's like weird international versus U.S. release dates. And yeah, like, I honestly don't even really know why they decided to start not in their home country. I think it's just because, at least from being in this job now, I've come to find that European audiences grasp onto things like chokehold status almost like they just when they love something they just go bonkers over it so i feel like i don't really know the actual history behind launching them in europe before coming to the united states but that's kind of just what they had like an album out first there right like yeah uh, the red album i think they yeah the red album so they launched the red album in 96 there's there's some discrepancies between 95 (laughs) and 96 on their own website so but it it seems that 96 is the right year yeah yeah and that has i looked at the track list and that does have probably half if not three fifths mm-hmm. of the songs on the u.s debut so it's not like it's a completely different album but i mean the cover is completely different they're all in like sweaters and this is red <laughs> it's got a red background that's why it's called the red album but i mean the people who know the cover for this u.s debut it's like them on like a brick wall kind of thing and they look like they're they're literally backstreet boys yeah it's, and it's, like it's... in like white jackets except i noticed that kevin is in black and i'm like why one member oh, I don't interesting. Get it. Yeah, yeah i didn't really look into that too much to be able to talk to them about I'm sure it, but like an entire galaxy of fan conspiracy. I'm sure, I'm sure, that. so many sites. But yeah. I can only imagine if the internet had been as big as it is now back then, and social <laughs> media. That was one thing that Brian touched on. My interview with him was that social media would have probably ruined them mm-hmm. with all the stuff that they got into. But um, no, so they so they launched overseas and saw some success, and then wanted to try it over here because this is where they're from. But one of my biggest surprises, I think, was this no fan land thing that they had like thought up, I guess, or whatever they, they referred to the United States as no fan land because it was like pandemonium over in, in overseas. And when they'd come over here where they're from, no one knew who the heck they were. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to picture now. Like right? it, it's, it's cause even, you know, tw- you know, 25 years, 20, 25 years later, like they're still you know, selling out shows in Vegas yeah. and they, They've they've endured, I think, a lot better than you know. You know, I was in middle school at the time when, when the album came out, and you you got a lot of like you know rock kids kind of muttering about Backstreet Boys, like oh no one's gonna remember this in five yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. it's clearly not the case. And you you actually saw one of those shows, right? Like you you went to to see them in Vegas, and you, you like you talked to them a couple times even before this this year. Like yeah, that's actually how this whole thing kind of came about. Like actually, I will credit the Bachelor as the getting bachelor. in as getting me in with the Backstreet Boys because. Okay. We wanted to do a story on their appearance on The Bachelor, and so I found the contact because I figured it'd be ridiculously hard to find a Backstreet Boys contact that would actually get back to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I looked up the Vegas residency contacts and got a hold of somebody through that and ended up being this guy named Steven that is now like my hero for all of this <laughs> stuff because I reached out to him and then we didn't do anything with The Bachelor even, and we focused on the... Vegas residency and I talked to Howie and then um, went to the actual show and covered the opening night because Steven was just like, do you want to cover the opening night? And I'm like, like, that seems like a pretty solid post for us, right? I mean, right? And it was my first business trip because I was pretty new here still and 
Yeah, so I went out to Vegas, took my mom. They thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Mom, mom's also a pretty big Backstreet Boys yeah, fan, right? Huge, yeah. huge. She's the, probably the reason that I'm into any of this because she mm. caught on to it. But um, so yeah, I brought her, and then I got to interview Kevin and Brian in the venue the day after the show, and that was pretty ridiculous. It was just like thinking about seeing them on stage and then sitting down with two of them. Sure. And I'd met AJ, gosh, when I was like seven or eight. It was after really? one of their yeah, wh- shows. What were the circumstances there? Yeah. Uh, they had an opening act named Crystal One once upon a time, uh, and she was good friends with AJ, I guess. So when she was performing, when she was opening for them, she said, come see me at the Mall of America tomorrow. I'm going to bring a special guest. And I was like, oh, and little eight-year-old me yeah. is like, bing, it's going to be a Backstreet Boy. So uh, it happened to be AJ, and that's how I met him there. And then, so the, he was the only one I'd met and then, um, yeah, then I met Kevin and Brian, and I still have yet to meet Howie and Nick, but Nick is getting there because he's my favorite, so I'm gonna, <laughs> uh, one day, one day. But well, was, was it tough to, to get all, all five of them on the phone for this, or was, was anybody kind of like a late holdout? Nick. Yeah. And he was, it's not like he was hard to get on the phone. It's just he's got the boy band show now. Right, yeah. And he has a wife and kids just like the rest of them now. So they all, the problem was right now is that they're off of their Vegas schedule. Mm-hmm. So they are just kind of living life right now and they are recording their 10th album. But I think the biggest thing for them is getting a little bit of a break. And so. <laughs> I think Stephen probably felt a little bad being like, so I'm going to put you on the phone with a Billboard reporter and while you're trying to just live your life. Like, while I was talking to AJ, he had his daughter constantly bugging him to make her food. <laughs> so, uh, but it was kind of fun because I feel like that actually made them feel a little more lax just because mm-hmm. they probably, for the most part, were at home or just, I mean, Howie was in the middle of getting a haircut when I was interviewing him. Oh, wow. So. Can you actually hear, like, the scissors going in the background? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I'm, like, we, he was on his way to the haircut. Oh, okay. And then he was like, I can call you back after the haircut. So I guess it wasn't right in the middle of it. But, like, in the middle of our interview, he got a haircut. Yeah, but, it, it definitely seems like you got them in a, in a pretty talkative state. It seems like they, you know, they once you kind of got them started, they they were they were pretty forthcoming with the details and the yeah. stories and all that good stuff. Uh, was like any one member like particularly engaging to talk to? AJ. AJ. Right. He was the most animated human I've ever talked to, and especially for being such a superstar, just the stories. Frankly, the stories he had that are 20 years old. He was like so it just knew every detail. It was crazy. <laughs> It was like having strep throat for, I mean, like, I guess you don't really forget that, but like telling me like about how he had strep throat for this specific song and how like he had to learn the lyrics on the set. And then like, I mean, this is not related to the first album, but like how Max Martin turned Howie DeRose fart into a beat on a <laughs> oh, song. Don't, don't, don't spoil that I'm one. I'm not going to spoil gotta... that one. you got to go to Billboard to find yeah, that out that's later coming, on. That's a separate yeah, article that's, later. That's coming. But just like little details like that. And he just, we talked for 50 minutes. I was told I'd have 15. And he just kind of took the reins and we just chatted. And it was, it didn't even feel like an interview at that point. It felt like a conversation. And I think one of the biggest things is that I was such a fan back in the day and still am such a huge fan that it's like, I'm doing this for work, but I think they can sense that I'm mm-hmm. like also a fan just eagerly asking all of these questions. But yeah, AJ was by far the most animated, but Howie had a lot of great things to say as well. He he was very reflective on the the period that they were launching and like 
not so much specifics of songs, but more like just the feeling and like the overall like Backstreet Boys coming to America kind of thing. Yeah, it seemed like how he kind of took the big picture view. Yeah, AJ was sort of in the weeds on the the, the smaller yeah. stuff. But yeah, you you sent me that that AJ transcript before we started gotten into really digging into the the oral history part, and I was just laughing reading it. Like oh, I, 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 so I would have, I would listen to that as its own podcast. Probably your interview with AJ. Yeah. Well, and Brian's pretty animated as well. I mean, they're all really just super nice guys, especially for being as famous as they are. But mm-hmm. Brian is, like, one of the most cheerful humans in person and on the phone. So he was a really good time, too. And he knew the exact date of when he met his wife on the set of As Long As You Love Me. And that was the most romantic story I've ever heard. <laughs> At the same time, the most creepy because he creeped on her headshot. But <laughs> yeah, if the story had turned out a different way, I think it would have been a little creepy. But a little as it was, creepy. it's pretty heartwarming. And I did, this was this was a totally news to me that uh, not only did did he meet his wife on the set of one of the music videos, but I think Kevin also co-starred with his his future wife yep. on one of the music videos. Yeah, like, I, I guess the Backstreet Boys are just kind of natural romantics. In that I way. guess. Well, and then AJ, another detail he told me was that I'm, I'm trying to remember the whole relation here, but uh-huh. his current like his wife's brother or like dad or something i think it was her brother directed or helped produce everybody backstreet's back the video oh that's right yeah i remember, I remember that from the other story that we did on the uh, on the everybody video a couple couple weeks ago but yeah, yeah it, it's and i guess that's sort of the the backstreet brand like they're not really like the edgiest boy band but they're they're kind of domestic in nature and so yeah. it, it is sort of on brand that they would like the three of them would basically meet their their future spouses they're, they're all still with them right yeah like 20, 20 years later that's pretty crazy for, yeah uh, for a boy band that was only just starting to kind of get the the fruits of their of their success, right? Uh, and were there any other like major revelations for you while you were doing this this reporting? Uh, well, as you referenced the the Kevin co-starring with his wife in a video, that was the first version of the "I'll Never Break Your Heart" oh, music right, video, the, the, the skiing version in the ski slopes of Utah, <laughs> Snowbird, Utah, little Florida boys going to Snowbird, so seeing. Seeing snow for the first time, Howie had a good story about that video, filming that. Uh, they had to stop filming when they would get off the ski lift because they'd fall because none of them <laughs> knew how to ski. So that was a, obviously a brilliant uh, video concept for a bunch of, like, Florida boys. And some some so, serious sweaters in that video, ser- too. Like serious sweaters. Is, is like, it's like, what is, what is even going on with that yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess that was the sign of the times, but... Mm. But no, that was the first video, and I had never seen that video until this project even, so I didn't even know it existed. It's not on their official page. The one that's on their official YouTube page is like, what looks somewhat like the It's Gonna Be Me video in sync. It's like, in this, yeah. like what looks like a time warp situation. I, 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 think, I think it's all like, like, there's like scenes with that cut with like them in, in like some girl's apartment maybe, yeah. like, I, but it's definitely like them being a little bit more grown up. I think they're trying to sort of be more like boys to men at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the skiing video is definitely, that, that, that's one for the history books. Oh, if you haven't seen that sure. one and you're a Backstreet Boys fan, and I, I personally, you know, I've, I've seen... The other I'll Never Break Your Heart video probably a hundred times on yeah. CRL, but I've, I've not even know of this other one's existence until uh, They until probably today. wanted to pretend it doesn't, even though that's the one where Kevin was so excited to right, be in it with yeah. his now wife. But well, un- Understandable that the rest of them would have kind of more mixed feelings about it, but uh, it's definitely definitely worth tracking down if you're yeah, a Backstreet Boys sure. fan. Uh, anything else that uh, that really that really sticks out for you? Well, I will admit, because I was six years old when they launched in America – 
I had no idea. Well, and frankly, I didn't really know who Max Martin was until a couple years ago anyway. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I realized how big of an influence Max Martin was on these guys. Sure. Like, I knew he worked with them, but I don't think I realized until talking to all of the guys how much of an influence he had on their sound and how much he was involved in the growth of their career and vice versa, frankly. So, I mean, that was just so cool to be able to hear about somebody that's now the biggest one of the biggest if not the biggest songwriters in pop music that basically launched the biggest boy band so it's like that was really cool to and even if it wasn't a revelation it was amazing to be able to talk to all of the guys about like the early days of max martin and playing video games with him (laughs) in the the video game stories are great yeah that was another kind of revelatory thing with like you wouldn't think i mean i guess you would think that maybe a bunch of teenagers in this recording studio probably need some sort of escape but they had a whole computer set up i can only imagine being in a recording studio and then running out and playing like like Half Life like, and Duke Nukem. Yeah, and, uh, I don't even know those games. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 before your time, well, before my time too, really. But uh, yeah, like the, the funniest story I think in there is is uh, AJ talking about like catching Kevin after like a twenty seven hours of playing this flight simulator, and he, like he's like, "Hey, dude, like you should maybe take a break." And Kevin's like, "No, nah, man, I can't. I'm a pilot." Like, that, 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 <laughs> Kevin that denied incredible. that quick, but I I don't know. I, I could see a little it, bit it of exaggeration, real. but I feel like real. there's. If it wasn't 27, it was like 23 hours. So yeah, cl- close enough. You know, it still resulted in some great music. So pilot away, Kevin. Yeah, and uh, so in doing this, uh, did, did like the impressions that you got from the guys on the phone? Did they match up with the impressions that you already had of them as members? Was anybody like different than you expected? Uh, I think. Honestly, because I loved Nick so much back in the day, mm-hmm. sad note, I had a fish named after Nick Carter. I named the fish Nick. I think I maybe Nick named him Nick Carter. And he jumped <laughs> out of the bowl. Oh, no. And I thought that that was a sign that something would happen to Nick Carter. Well, it's a sign about how God the, back, about how the Backstreet has. Boys uh, were wise not to try to go solo too quickly. That's, that's well, a once, once they fair out, assessment uh, of that uh, one. They were going to flounder a little bit. Yeah, he was the only one to really try it, too. But yeah. anyways, um, no, so I lost my train of thought on this, but... Um, no, Nick. I love Nick so much that I kind of expected him, and I felt like everybody else loved him so much, too, sure. that I kind of expected him to not be as animated and not really give me as much material to work with and, like, actual stories and stuff, especially because he was so young. But he actually opened up about his difficulties of being in a boy band that was blowing up at, like, 16 years old and 17 years old and going through puberty while recording these songs and also trying to live, like, a normal teenage life and not really being able to. So he... I was wondering if he would even go into that at all, and I didn't really even trigger it too much. I just asked about the whole, like, puberty thing, and I think the like the thing about being like a normal teenager came up on his behalf so he was very open about that and that was really cool it was nice to know that he was willing to be so like vulnerable about that kind of thing yeah so. for a guy who definitely kind of he, he always seemed like he at least saw himself as the star of the group but he was he was he was very human very vulnerable in the story and that's really interesting uh to me it was it was cool getting to kind of see the individual uh, personalities of the guys because like growing up they were totally indistinct to me. I yeah. mean, like I sort of knew Nick because he was he was like the, the front man kinda, and I sort of knew AJ because he was he was the goofiest looking and, and the goofiest <laughs> acting. Too, he was probably. like the bad boy looking. Yeah, one. exactly. But but like he was like he couldn't have been less threatening. Yeah, in a real <laughs> for way. sure. Like, I, I, I was I was like a petrified eleven year old. You know, I, was, I was scared of everything in the world, but I was not scared of AJ McLean. <laughs> uh, but I, I told you about this story, I think. But I was on a. Uh, 
a VH1 trivia show 10 years ago, a pop culture trivia show. Yes, I It was like one, one of my this. greatest regrets in life that <laughs> like they, they one, one of the major questions in, in one of the rounds that I was in was about naming the five Backstreet Boys and I can only name two of them. And I felt oh, like, I, I felt like I... such a traitor to like my entire generation <laughs> that like Which were the two? Was it, was it AJ it was Nick and, and AJ, yeah. Okay. And I was like, Sean? Is there a Sean in there? Sean. Now, after that, I will never forget them again, and especially right. not after reading your thing. But like, I think this is, a, this is actually one of the things that maybe sort of helped the Backstreet Boys in the long run is that the fact that, that all five of them, I mean, and, and they, they, they clearly have like a, a brotherhood between them. And, you know, AJ has a great quote in your piece about how he says, like, yeah, we're a group of, like, five lead singers, and, like, all of us could be the lead at any one point in time, like, on, like, some other bands. I always wondered if he was taking a shot at NSYNC there, but maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I think he was probably more taking a shot at people that want to discredit them as vocals, vocalists, you know? Like, yeah. that's what they are first and foremost and what they wanted to be individually, so... Right, but in any event, like, the fact that, you know, none of them really were able to make the, the jump to a solo career, like you said, and, you know, Nick and AJ kind of tried, and... Uh, right. Uh, and I sort I mean, of wonder... I all over the Nick one, but no one else Oh, was. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why your senior boy then corresponded, but... It seemed like Aaron Carter maybe kind of beat him to the spot a little bit. Like his his younger brother was already kind of the adorable solo kid, and like it was like we don't need two solo Carters in the world, right. maybe. Uh, but the fact that none of them really ever outshined the group on their own means that they were able that, that that there was never any reason for them not to stay together. Right. Uh, like there's no you know you know Insick are great, but Justin Timberlake went on to do such amazing things on his own that they're kind of held hostage to, to his whims. And like if he doesn't ever want to get back together because he doesn't have to, then maybe they never will. But Backstreet Boys, because they were such a collective and that they weren't really about any one member, uh, they continued on with basically the same lineup for 20 years. I mean, I guess Kevin left for one album and then came back. Right. But otherwise, uh, the Backstreet Boys then are basically the Backstreet Boys now. Yeah, I didn't really think about it that way, but that's so true, especially with all the other groups. Like, most groups, like O-Town, you know, they're now going on without Ashley Parker Angel, mm -hmm. and I just feel like they're either, dis like, extinct or moving on without somebody and that's just not the case yeah, and if, if one direction you know they'll probably get back together at some point for a concert maybe a tour but to get all five of those guys on the same page is gonna oh, be really Zane's difficult. never coming back oh, Zane is never coming really? back really that's your theory you think it's, you think oh it's, I think he's, he he's as soon as he got out of there he was glad to be done with it Oh. There's no way they're going to pay him any amount of money, especially with Gigi Hadid on his arm. Like, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see if circumstances change for him podcast. in the next 10, 15 years. But uh, certainly as of now, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to get back together anytime soon. Right. But yeah, Backstreet Boys, they're still the Backstreet Boys. And that, that's a pretty cool thing, I think. I think that's probably part of the reason why this anniversary is so special to me and you know anybody that considers themselves a Backstreet Boys fan. Because it's like... They have made it 20 years, or mm -hmm. now it's like 24 in terms of like how long they've actually been a band together. But, you know, for the U.S. fans that got to know them in 97, it's just like they essentially are the same people. Like, and, and especially after me being able to talk to all five of them and really hearing like the characters that they are and just how down to earth they are after everything that they have achieved, it's just like they're just the most amazing figure for like a group like that mm -hmm. and that's why this is so special do you have a favorite song on the album um i mean all of the hits it's like one after the next like it's like it goes from quit playing games to as long as you love me the beginning is yeah the, the beginning the, the of the album is we've got there. it going on uh this what, quit playing games as long as you love me everybody backstreet's back and i think all i have to give yep, and i'm five. like 
okay. Hits on I'm, hits. Seriously. But I think, I don't want to say that Quit Playing Games is my favorite because that's so cheap, but uh, I loved We've Got It Going On. Really? That was, yeah. Okay. That was a really fun one for me being six years old. And, <laughs> and I will say, speaking of being six and singing Backstreet Boys, the uh, Am I Sexual line of, uh, of... Girls love Am I Sexual. <laughs> of Everybody Backstreet's Back was... I told yeah. Nick that that was the most fun line to sing of that whole song. So Were you one of the girls going, oh, yeah, in response <laughs> to that? I mean, probably not at six, but okay. like when I was listening to it at like maybe nine, eleven, you know, like 13... Probably, yeah. And Especially I gotta, because he's my fave. I gotta say that I I love how like two or three different members of the group each remember that we've got it going on peaked at number sixty nine. Right. That's that's so sort of on like, brand for the Bastard yeah. Boys too. <laughs> for that's sure. Pretty funny for a, a group of five boys too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I'll say I always liked uh, as long as you love me. I think partially because growing up. I thought it was about being in love with like a, a fugitive, like like a like, like a murderer who was on the run from the law. Yes, and like That's maybe amazing. maybe that was too literal an interpretation of some of those lyrics. But I still I, I still yet you're to like, like be totally dissuaded like, from that Andrew notion. Andrew is on to what you're talking about yeah, in this song. It's it not any really romance at all. If you're on the run, like, <laughs> it, it, it's it, there's definitely something there, and I don't know. They, they gave this song kind of an urgency for me that it might not have had otherwise. That's incredible. Uh, so so shout out to uh, to as long as you love me. I think all I have to give is another great one. I mean, it's, I know that's also another big hit of theirs, but just like I the think it's passion the one people forget, in that. Probably. It's okay. probably like the, like the most forgotten of their big hits from that yeah, album. Yeah, it's just, I was listening to it while I was working on this because naturally I was, this is the only thing I wanted to listen to while I was working on this piece. But that song is just like so, there's just so much passion in it mm-hmm. for being like a group of 20 something boys and like a 17 year old. It's like, I don't know. I, I love the way that they sound in it. I feel like it's the most mature sounding of their first album because it's hard to sound mature when you're that young. But. Yeah, that, that one probably just could have been on R&B radio at the time and you wouldn't have had to know that it was like a boy band with big production and choreography right. and all that behind it. That's just, that's just like a pretty good song. For sure. Uh, are there any like deeper cuts on the album that like you think maybe don't get the shine they deserve? Hey, Mr. DJ. Okay. That... I had a little snippet sung to me by AJ and I was hey. like, this is... Everything. I was like, and I was like, AJ, I love that song. I was like, put that in to your set and in Vegas because that's a jam. Right, that, that's kind of like a fan favorite, right? Like he, I think he was so. talking about how like 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 the, the day one Backstreet fans are, are always like rooting for him or DJ to make it onto the set. Yeah, list. and yeah. I think AJ was the one that said that whoever it was that called him out for like wanting to play that song or something. He was like, you weren't even alive when that song was out. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, also, quick shout out to their cover of uh, PM Dawn Set Adrift on Memory Bliss, which is yes. kind of an unconventional choice for them. And they, they, they don't really like straight cover it. They, they do their, their own lyrics and they start singing. Uh, I know this much is true at the end, uh, but it's, it's, it's like a cool little production. There's some weird sound effects going on. Like I, I, I always like that version for some reason. <laughs> uh, all right. So down to the big question of, of the day. Uh, oh, I know dear. you didn't want me to ask you oh, this, but dear, I'm going to ask you it coming. anyway. Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. Like, if I had someone saying life or death, life or you got to yeah. choose one or the other. Gun to your head. Uh, only only tickets to one Vegas show. This feels so, like, betraying, but I would say in sync, it would be the impulse answer, 
because of Justin Timberlake. Solely because of Justin Timberlake. I kid you not. He was my, like, him and Nick, which is so, like, cliche. I mean, they were obviously the big names of both. But, but... it's funny. Like, there was a time when these two people were on, like, totally even footing. Nick yeah. Carter and Justin Timberlake. Didn't last very long, but certainly yeah. for that, like, three-year period, like, they, these, they were the guys. They were always my number ones before, like, the days of Pete Wentz and Brendan Urie being my number <laughs> ones. But, but the more mature that was the evolution. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Nick and Justin were always my number ones. And Justin, there was just something about him. And like the, I, I think I related to the, not related to the music more, but they made, NSYNC made like the poppier stuff. I feel mm. like now that I'm older and I've listened back to all of these songs, you can tell that Backstreet Boys are focusing more on their vocals. Sure. And InSync is focusing more on getting hits. And yeah, the production is more elaborate. And like yeah, it's I a mean, look at hitting. Pop. That yeah. song is like, it's a great song. But I just feel like I, at that that time anyway, like gravitated toward that kind of music more than I did to the appreciation of vocalists mm-hmm. and putting together five really great voices on a hit song. So... I mean, now, especially because I feel like these are my guys with the Backstreet Boys and like Brian, <laughs> your personal friend Brian family, like yeah. remembers me and like, I just feel like, and Nick was like, you should be our, or you can be our guest at the Vegas show. And I'm like, okay, Nick. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I, it'd be so hard, but I think I would impulsively say in sync just because of what they meant to me back in the day. But I mean, I think as I've grown my appreciation for Backstreet Boys and realizing what they are as a group has just skyrocketed. All right. That's a very diplomatic answer to that question. Thank I like you. that. I tried. Uh, I, mostly, uh, I mostly agree with you, or at least like, I come to the same conclusion from a, a slightly different place. Uh, I would say NSYNC had more songs that I really liked, uh, and I think that uh, yeah, they're a little bit edgier. They were a little bit like more ahead of their time. Uh, and I'd say like they they'd probably have an easier time on radio now than if you try to transport those Backstreet Boys songs twenty years in the future. Mm-hmm. But like when I think of what a boy band is, I think of Backstreet Boys and always will probably like yeah. that, that's that's the model. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I know, agree. Uh, five guys who can sing, who can dance, who make fun videos, who don't take themselves too seriously. Like They're that's, all cute. Sure, <laughs> I mean, no, definitely. I mean that, that, that that's the important that's, part. That, 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 that's what it's about. Uh, they they got their first at least of this generation, and like for I think people our age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, like that's still like the gold standard for the boy band, probably. Well, and as we've touched on, they're the ones that are still around and honoring what they have always been. So I feel like that's, Mm -hmm. it's only right to say that they are the quintessential boy band. I would say so. That's as good a note as any to end on. Taylor Weatherby, I think it's time for you to take your victory lap. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And everybody check out that amazing world history. Go BSB. uh, Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.